What's happening, everybody? This is V3Cast, episode 32. All right, and a happy... Coming right at you. All right, it's the beginning of the year. It's time for renewed motivations. It's time for new quests. And it's time to talk about what y'all are drinking. First time of the year, first drink of the year. What you got? Something fancy? Something old school? I have a a spicy margarita. It's not just a margarita. It's spicy too. Spicy. Uh, I love hot stuff. So this very much appeals to me and uh, it's really good. It's got a nice, a nice kick to it. You know? Oh, I dig it. What hot sauce did you put in that? No, it's a mix. It comes like that. It's like 1800, um, 1800. It's, you know, I'm not fancy enough to actually, make my own stuff from scratch like jill does i uh i i just get the bottle and it's like spicy margarita with the tequila included so i don't have to do anything but pour it now do you see i notice a trend here greg do you notice this trend in episode 31 when we were at uh the restaurant <laughs> mexican town what did aaron have to drink a margarita yep yep so now he's got it again he wasn't even probably planning that because that was several months ago when we were actually at that restaurant. But of course, the episode came out um, in episode 31 that talked about that time. But Aaron, two in a row margaritas. I, I, I dig your theme. It's the taste of summer, bringing it into the winter. You know, I, I'm fighting winter with the margarita. That's it's, funny that, it's funny that Aaron said margarita, but I heard Bloody Mary. That's what I thought he was drinking. And I, oh, that's why me. I asked about hot sauce. I've never even heard of a spicy margarita. What the hell <laughs> is that even? I just thought yeah, that man, I'm could, so confused now. Spice to anything, can't you? <laughs> you I can mean, make anything spicy. You no, know, I wouldn't add spice. Yeah, but they, I, I mean, to make it spicy right out of the bottle, like, yeah, you can make anything <laughs> spicy, but like, I can't believe that 1800 makes a spicy margarita. Like, I, I, I just, my brain just said it was a Bloody Mary. I ignored what you said completely. <laughs> right. <laughs> and ignored the color and everything. I blew your mind. Yeah, I, well, I couldn't even really see it. Uh, gotcha. So I blame I blame this meeting, you know, video for that. But <laughs> right. you better hold it up. Let me look at that real quick. I want to see what a spicy margarita looks like red real good. Hold it up high. Yeah, there you go. See, now yeah. I can. What? Is there something red in there? No, that's the light here. It's oh, okay. like. Yeah. Oh, I got so, yeah. red peppers floating. You see it's in the uh, WDET uh, glass, right? That's right. Yeah, we yeah. love WDET for sure. Yeah, yeah they've All been right. very kind to us, as a matter of fact. Like way back, way back when Doom Fortress came out, um, they premiered the first track off of Doom Fortress, which is called El Guantonero, which you made a music video for too. They played it first aired on anywhere uh, in the world, WDET. So thank there you. There you go. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it, but I forgot it. Right. And let's not let's not forget that uh, that uh, Doom Fortress came out ten years ago. Like, not exact. I think we were recording it right at this very moment. No, that's true. That is true. Yeah, this is, let's hear it for Doom Fortress. Yeah, all right. Ten years. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, is it July or is it August? I'll check. We somehow oh. forgot to mention during a whole last year 
of 2023 that it was the 10th year of the band in general. We just didn't even. <laughs> That's because we're so busy working, man. You know, right. it's crazy. We got rec- records coming, recordings, uh, all kind of stuff. So, so in retrospect, right. give it up for 10 years of Voyager 3. 10 years of Voyager 3. Yeah. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> From 13 to 23, we did it. That's right, man. And uh, a lot of albums already out and more on the way. So that's very on cool. The way. Greg, what are you drinking, Greg? We just got through the we just got through the holidays. So as you know, part of my family, extended family, lives on the west side of Michigan. So we traveled out there. And every time I'm out there, I try to get something from that part of town. So this brewery is from Petoskey, Michigan, and nice. it's called Beards. Nice. Nice. And I, Beards Brewery and this oh let me turn it around for the for the name of the brew. See if you can read that. Green, Green. Hundo. Like a hundred dollar bill. Yeah, that's right. That's what I think of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's an IPA and obviously. And uh it's actually like surprisingly good. Cause nice. you know, I'm pretty picky about IPAs and I, I was just telling I was telling somebody over the weekend when I was out there that a lot of times like I'm afraid to take chances on new IPAs because there's like this magical combination that I'm always looking for. It has to be the right amount of carbonation and then like as bitter as humanly possible, you know? So like if it's lacking in either of those areas, like, you know, a lot of times I'll get, I'll get an IPA that's, that's really, really hoppy and really bitter, but it's sort of flat. And then I'm like bummed out. I'm like, all right, well, that's not very good. And, uh, you know, and then the opposite is true. You know, like you can get one that's really, really carbonated, but it doesn't have any of that bitterness. But this one is super well balanced. What did we call it? Green Hundo? Is that yeah, what it's called? Green, Green Hundo. Hundo. So it's what you're trying to yeah. tell us is that the hop bitterness level and the fizzy carbonated level. Ten out of ten. Is that what you're trying to tell us? <laughs> They're bo- it's it's perfectly perfectly it's, balanced. But is it ten out of ten? Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. All right. All ten right. out of ten. <laughs> All right, what are you drinking, Steve? All right. Yeah, don't keep us in suspense, Steve. Yeah. Oh, no suspense. Uh, I'll uh I'll, I'll come clean right here. So, but this is going to kind of combine what are you drinking with mailbag, and I'll tell you why right now is because people who have watched this podcast and listened to this podcast sometimes remember that we'll mention uh, one of our fans and friends, uh, Funky Colpatina. Uh, He'll, he'll chime in sometimes on the comments or on Facebook or things like that. Um, so a really cool and moving thing that I noticed is uh, we also follow each other on Instagram. So one day I'm just I'm scrolling and uh, I come across a post of his and uh, he's talking about something to the effect. This is several months ago, so my memory might not be 100% accurate, but he's saying something like, hey, in a few weeks, I... I get to hear in stereo again for the first time in 25 years or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are you talking about? And then you, you look at the pictures and uh, uh, I, I'm kind of ignorant to it. So I don't really know the terminology or whatever, but they're kind of implants that get planted behind your ear on your head on both sides. And they aid in your hearing. It's more than a hearing aid is what I'm, I, I'm kind of gathering. Is it, is it a cochlear implant? That could be. That could okay. do those have like little plates like go on the back of your uh, head behind your ear kind of thing? Probably. Yeah. Well, 
he's got these things now. And when I saw that, I don't know, man, it, it, it almost moved me to tears because I'm thinking to myself, could you imagine not being able for the longest time to hear good or at all or whatever, you know, just, you know, it being not what we're used to. Right. So for him to get that back, I think is amazing. And I love how technology is making people's lives better all across the board, you know, various aspects of life. So I wrote him and I said, holy shit, man, this is amazing. I can't believe that you're able to, uh, you know, get this hearing situation fixed for, for so many years. Um, so I I'm sending you some records cause I want you to hear some stuff in stereo. I want to be part of, you know, your, uh, adventure back in the stereo. So we sent him, uh, New York Ninja. I think I sent him my, uh, distant transmissions, uh, Hawaii, uh, Kona Hawaii album and a couple t-shirts and just stickers, you know, just a little cool care package. So mm-hmm. he said, well, dude, I got to send you something. And I'm like, you don't got to send me anything, man, for real. And, and congratulations on all this stuff. And I hope everything goes great. But he sent something anyway. And that's my, what are you drinking? So everybody knows I love, I love me some ginger beer, right? Mm-hmm. So this is from, oh, by the way, Funky Colpatina lives in Australia, in case uh, that wasn't mentioned ever in the previous episode. So this is called wow. Bickford's uh, Ginger Beer. Uh, flavored cordial. So what it is, is it's not actually ginger beer. You can think of it as a ginger beer concentrate. You can't drink this. This is like a syrup or something that's very strong. So so it's not like that thing that Aaron bought where it's pre-mixed and just ready to go. Right. Like the, <laughs> yeah. You so, actually have to like put some effort into it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So what you do is you get yourself some club soda. I hope it doesn't explode on me because you know club soda can be naughty. Y- y'all know that. Oh dear. I hope you don't. Oh boy. I hope you don't have any clowns in the house that shook that seltzer bottle up. <laughs> okay, check it out. You, you add yourself some club soda because you got to have the bubbles. I suppose you could add this to anything, right? But I like my ginger beer with fizz in it. So club soda it is. Then. You bust out. Let, let me give this one little Red Bull shake. See, do you, can you guys see the ring here? This, yeah, like, yeah. It's all so natural that it settles and it gets that stuff in it. So you got to give this just a little bit of a shake to get all the nice ginger stuff that usually settles. By the way, yeah. you should do that to a normal ginger beer that's processed and everything like in the can and all ready to go. You should give it a light <coughs> shake. So here we go. Steve, what is, what's the science here? Are you just eyeballing this? Yes. I mean, well, that's the, a concentrate you're dealing with. The, the, the science to me is like how I eat my sushi and I put extra wasabi that I know is going to whoop my ass and I do it on purpose. And the yeah. next time I add a little bit more. That's the science. Can I, <laughs> Good can science. I get an amen? <laughs> yes. Good science. Yes. What happens if you um, drink pure concentrate? You know, Steve, I, I might try that just a little. Steve would do it. Do, do it. Do it on the air. I mean, we're, we're content creators, Steve. Ooh, man, that's so good. Don't do it in private. The more you add, obviously, you know, the hotter it gets. Okay, I'll do it. I'm not Take a quick right out the bottle, man. Stop messing some, around. Don't you need some ice? Oh, by the way, check it out. No, because the club soda's cold. I got it right out of the fridge. Bickford's, can you, can you see that date? Since yeah. 1874, they've been making ginger beer down in Australia. Come on. That one in that one in that bottle isn't from 1874 though, right? Hey, you know what? It, it was a good year. 
Let's see what happens to Steve if he drinks it straight out the bottle. It's good. It's syrupy and sweet. Not not too much heat. All right. So it's a, mix, it's a mixer. And congratulations to Funky Cold Patina for getting his hearing back, his full spectrum hearing. Yeah, man. That's, that's got to be just yeah, for real. beyond words amazing. I think that... Um, if you're hearing in stereo for the first time in a long time or forever, I think the Voyager three is a good band to listen to yes. in stereo. Cause we, we, we take advantage of, uh, of the stereo, uh, phonic, uh, function <laughs> now, uh, even better than us though, would be maybe Pink Floyd. That would be a good one. Yeah, the Beatles. Tangerine dream. Tangerine dream. Who else do who else would you really want to hear in stereo if you haven't heard in stereo for a long time? Look, I, I would say I would say like a lot of soundtracks, you know, with like a full orchestra, like hearing a full orchestra in stereo, there's something to be said for that, you know. Oh, yeah, man. like especially when it's recorded correctly. Oh yes, for sure. Here's another one too. Uh Rush uh moving pictures. I listened to that the other day, uh, and I I was mar obviously I've listened to that album a lot, but I was marveling at the sound of the album, the production. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's one of the it, best it, produced. I mean, it's like Michael Jackson Thriller. You ever really yeah. sit down and listen to Thriller? It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the most spectacularly mixed, perfect like sounding record. And and Moving yeah. Pictures is in the same category. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I'd really mm, taken the time to notice it specifically. Right from the beginning with Tom Sawyer with that that nice drop of that synth yeah. note, you know. The That's a beautiful sound, uh, beautiful sounding album. So listen to that one, Funky Cold Patina, if you haven't already. You probably have though. But listen it's, to it's, it. He has impeccable taste. So I, I would not <laughs> doubt for a minute that most of those things are either already crossed off on his list or on the list coming up for right. sure. All right. Well, you know what? Speaking of music, music is a huge part of our life and a huge part of the lives of a lot of people who listen uh, and watch this podcast. So I thought of a cool topic for today's episode 32, and um, I'm calling it Musical Roots. So I want to hear from first you guys, and then, of course, in the comments, we'd like to hear from our, our listeners. But uh, give me your top three musicians that made you want to play your instrument. Let's talk about it, fellas. How about you? Who's going first? Me? Aaron, yeah. I'm, right. I'm, I'm putting the spotlight on you. All right. So I I had to do some thinking about this because it, it's it can be interpreted in different ways, different times, different um phases or whatever. So as far as me starting to play my instrument, when I was a little kid and I saw um guitar, I saw it on MTV, of course. Uh, or music videos in general. What I wanted to be was like those people in the videos. So that that kind of covered a lot of people on on TV, bringing that sort of look of the electric guitar into the homes of kids across the world, right? So the funny thing is, like, I was trying to distill it down to who, you know, there were a lot of people out there playing guitar, of course, but in my little kid head, I think one of the coolest bands and one of the coolest looks uh, for me was Huey Lewis and the News. Mm. And I didn't even know the guitarist's names until I had to look it up the other day because I only knew Huey. 
right? So Chris Hayes on lead and Johnny uh, Cola, Cola on rhythm. Um, I wanted to give them some respect because for me, they were two of my earliest examples of like what the guitar looks like, what a guitarist looks like, what a band looks like, like being cool, being like a, like a little team, like a, like a, a, a group of cool renegade guys who are out there. Um, yeah, you know, city to city, yeah, city to city with like their cool hair and the sunglasses and ties. And that was what, that was what stood out to me. Now, when it comes to actually starting to play guitar, my dad wanted me to play and he got me an acoustic guitar. You know, that was not what I was <laughs> by, the way, by the way, let me put a little asterisk on that. Not only was it an acoustic guitar, but it was a classical guitar with nylon strings. That's probably yeah, the nylon strings thing and, yeah. to play starting yeah. out. And how difficult is that? So it's a big hurdle for you to yeah. get past that and not go like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's <laughs> exactly what happened. I didn't want to play. I didn't like it. It wasn't what I saw on MTV. Didn't sound anything like that. It wasn't a cool electric guitar. I didn't even know what an electric guitar felt like. I didn't even know really what they how big they were or anything like that um until i saw the first time i saw one in person was i uh, was up at clumber camp and i saw some people like cam floyd playing bass and and um and and uh and mike borg sort of playing guitar and um so that was like that was what what i when i was able to finally see what an electric guitar even looks like and it looked like a toy to me compared to an acoustic because it's all big and boxy and made out of wood and then you see this guitar that looks like it could be made out of plastic or something because it's bright red and white and stuff like that anyway so i didn't even want to play that acoustic and i had to wait from age eight to age 15 to get my first electric guitar that's a long time especially for a kid that's a whole lifetime and if i if we hadn't started our band i would have not kept playing i had no real interest in playing acoustic and playing like this land is your land and shoe fly don't bother me that stuff didn't appeal to me it wasn't what i signed up for so if we hadn't started the band at um at age 14 13 14 i would have probably i would have stopped playing guitar so that brings me to part two the impetus for starting the band was dead kennedy's um unmisfits and stuff to other punk bands punk rock in general right um but but the dead kennedys were what that night at our aunt's wedding reception made steve and, and me go that's what we should do right there not that we were trying to sound like dead kennedys because we didn't even know how to do that then we didn't even understand exactly how they were playing i didn't really understand the way east bay ray played but i knew you know i appreciate him way more now so i don't even know if i would say he himself was it was my inspiration to play guitar but the, the band and um you know so that that's what made me want to play right now now so then we could figure out stuff like misfits and stuff and um because that was so simple in a way though to be honest that kind of stunted my musical growth because as a 14 year old i felt like i'd learned everything i needed to know i knew how to do a bar chord and i said the misfits are doing this that's all I need. And that was how I, how I thought for years and years and years. Um, and I never really pushed myself to become a better guitarist. So then, uh, flash forward again, 
through throughout Forge, throughout Decibel and all that. Um, when we had the idea to start this band, and I knew that I wasn't going to be the singer guitarist, I was just going to play guitar. I knew that I had to become a better guitarist and I had to push myself and um, to be a little more creative, a little more innovative because I didn't have the singing to, to, to sort of hide behind. We didn't have another guitarist in the band like we've had in the past that they could do the heavy lifting and I could just play some rhythm stuff. So the idea was to be the guitarist in a band like this, that's doing this weird synth rock stuff. Uh, I have to have, I have to be able to figure figure out where I fit in. So my mind at that point went to Dave Gilmore. And I thought, um, you know, if I can get some of that vibe, some of that weird spacey slash bluesy kind of vibe and, and, and um, that atmosphere that he creates in Pink Floyd, um, if I could get a, just to, if I could bite just a little piece of that off, then uh, I would be uh, getting towards the idea of doing my job in this band. So that's what brings me, I guess, to today and combining all those things that, you know, started me and that I kind of found my way through music and uh, to be in a, my, my goal is to always be like a little bit better than I was last year. So yeah, those are my three musicians or bands that made me want to play my instrument and, and made me want to push myself um, or, and create. Good, good, uh, good list of of uh, influences for sure. Definitely uh, uh, ones that uh, set bars and, uh, and, and influenced a lot of people. So that's awesome. Uh, Greg, how about you, man? Well, Aaron's was really well thought out and, and, you know, he, he had a lot of detail there. My answer is simple and everybody already knows it. Like there, there aren't even three. It's one guy, (laughs) Peter Chris. It's the only reason I ever wanted to play drums. And uh, I can tell you that in fifth grade, you know, they start handing out instruments at school, right? And everybody, maybe I've told this story before, but, you know, they're handing out instruments at school and I'm looking around at like what they have to offer. And I'm like, nobody in KISS plays that clarinet. Nobody in KISS plays a flute. Nobody in KISS plays that baritone sax or, you know, (laughs) and I just went down the list and I'm like, none of these things are in KISS. Like none of them. Uh, but then I got to the snare drum and I was like, now, wait a minute. Peter Chris has a snare drum. I know he has that. Like, I at least know that. Yeah, now, I go, so, now you're on to something. <laughs> I go, so that's for me right there. Yeah. So I'll never forget. My mom bought me the, the starter drum kit, you know, like that you get. It comes in like a plastic case. It's a snare drum with like yeah. a really, really uh, terrible snare stand. Like that thing would tip over like if the wind blew wrong you know on it it was yeah. really chintzy and like it, but, come but it would all like this pad too yeah, yeah it sat on top of the drum head yeah and uh but it would all fit in that one little case so you could carry it to school you know what i mean so yeah. that's what i started on snare drum but like even with that i was pissed i was like peter chris doesn't play one drum like he's i've never seen him in a picture playing one drum never yeah. ever when do we so, move this yeah, up to drum kit, right? Yeah, I was on my parents like from day one. I'm like, I'll accept this snare drum and I'm going to learn how to play it in the in the setting at school that they want me to play it in. But you need to understand, like, I'm on a crash course with, with doing what Peter Chris is doing. So, like, um, my parents basically drew, drew the line 
and said, we're, we're not going to buy you a drum set. <laughs> you know, my mom might tell the story a little bit differently, but in my mind, they weren't going to buy me a drum set. So I went and got a job and, uh, uh, washing dishes at sign of the beef carver. And I think Colin even worked with me for a while there. <laughs> and, uh, I saved up $350 and I went to Sasco's drum shop on nine mile road. It was on that. Well, eight and Van Dyke, I think at that point, um, Went down there, talked to Gloria, and I walked out of there with a yellow CB700, which is probably like the ugliest color to get for a drum set. I don't know. Like, Bill Bruford played yellow drums, and that's kind of cool. I was just going to say, for three of a perfect pair, yellow was everything. Tony Levin had a yellow Stingray and everything. Yeah, You're right. Other than that. (laughs) I don't think so. I, I don't mind yellow drums now. I see them now, and they look cool to me, but, like, they're not. Like, at the time, they weren't the sexiest, right? Like, I was... I was like, all right, Peter Chris definitely doesn't play yellow drums, but here's the thing. I, this is all I can afford. So it was either I get this yellow drum set or I didn't get a drum set. So anyhow, I got the I got the drum set and started uh, playing along in Kiss songs, and that the rest is history. There you go. And ever, and, and ever since then, I go to every job interview dressed as Peter Chris because you're supposed to dress for the job that you want, Aaron. Hell yes. yeah. Listen to that, everybody. In 2024, career advice from Greg Maston, dress for the job you want, Peter Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that your answer would be Peter Chris, and I didn't think you'd even pick anybody else because it's cool to have such a laser focus like that. Like yeah. that, I envy that in, in a way because my whole thing was so muddled, and I didn't have like the wherewithal to go get a job like you did. Like it's amazing. <laughs> Drums were not an easy instrument for for family members or neighbors you know back when i was learning drums you know because there was no such thing as electronic or or uh low low volume cymbals or low volume heads none of that stuff existed right on yeah for sure it was full force or nothing (laughs) right all or nothing right on good pick man good pick and it makes complete sense and you're right probably everybody would make that call for you for sure mine's the most boring answer probably i think no i don't think so because check this out tell everybody really quickly about that gatefold photo too that you would like study Uh, alive too yeah alive too had the best gatefold yeah man of any album i've ever seen in my life to this day i don't think it's been topped yeah yeah had all of them tearing it up including peter chris up there on the riser yeah i know could anything be cooler than Fire be sitting on top of that riser with all that shit blowing up around you? Like there, I mean, that had to be the ultimate, right? Right. Hell yeah, man, for sure. Absolutely. All right, Steve, you're up. All right. Well, I did a similar thing that you did, Aaron, as I kind of broke it down into different eras because for me, there would be the artists that made me realize about the instrument and go, oh, I could pick that up. I think I could do that. You know, and then there's later on, or, you know, not necessarily different because some of the original artists did shape the way that I play or think about playing, not just to play. But later on, there was more artists that informed me of all the things or more things that are possible um, on a, on a bass guitar. Cause I, I'm, I'm going to focus on bass guitar, maybe a little bit more, even though I play keyboards in Voyager three, but I'm originally a bassist. So I, I kind of play keyboards because I like the sounds they make. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I have some influences of keyboard players. Um, 
Rick Wakeman would be one, I guess, and probably John Carpenter would be one, I guess. But he, you know, those guys don't. He doesn't really play, play, he plays like I play, you know, not not like a trained pianist. But uh, Herbie Hancock would be one where I, I listen to him and be like, oh my god, this is incredible, uh, Chick Corea. But uh, that that's all more recent because I've only been playing keyboards since Voyager Three has been a band. Before that, I was a bassist ever since you know uh, high school, I guess, or junior high. But Anyway, artists that made me aware of the bass or that made me want to pick it up and play it would be um, Adam Clayton from U2. Uh, even to, you know, to this day, I love the choices he does um, over uh, the Edges stuff. Um, really tasty stuff. It's not overcomplicated. It serves the song perfectly and it's just tasty and right there. Um, and then to mix with you, Aaron, uh, Klaus Floride was a bassist that uh, I was like, man, this is awesome. And uh, you're right. Uh, from, from Dead Kennedys. For yeah, people from Dead Kennedys, yep. Um, East Bay Ray's guitar stuff is a little bit out there. You know, not so much nowadays because we're more musically educated than we were when we were uh, 13 or 14 years old. But back then, I don't didn't know what he was doing. You know, the, the Echoplex and it's uh, very high-endy, uh, not a lot of low-end in, in the guitar, so it's very jangly and I was like, I don't know what he's doing. It sounds cool, but I can hear that bass. So I was drawn to the bass in Dead Kennedys. And then probably because of uh, the third person, probably because of my uh, playing bass in school. Like I played bass in my high school jazz band and uh, and uh, was involved in band playing saxophone as well. So kind of had a little bit of that, for lack of a better term, sort of the academic side of music a little bit back then. So there was a little bit more sophisticated stuff floating around because it was like music education, not just rocking out to a band. Okay, so third basis that made me aware of the bass in big time. And I, I had the VHS, the famous uh, VHS. Once I say the name, you'll go like, oh yeah, most of you probably have seen that or know of it, who know who this person is. But uh, J Jaco Pistorius, uh, who was the bassist in Weather Report, and he had a couple of solo albums, and then he went on to play bass with Joni Mitchell as well in, in later years before he passed away. Um, you know, if you know who Jaco Pistorius is, you know why he's so inspiring and, and influential. He played the bass very originally for that time. Um, he played a electric fretless, which at that time was very rare. Nowadays, it's much more common, I would say. Um, and he also did harmonic stuff. So like, uh, kind of like a, a, a guitarist would do pinch harmonics. Well, he did an, a version of that on a non-distorted bass, and it just makes these beautiful overtones. He was able to compose some really fantastic stuff. So that was my original cluster for wanting to pick up a bass and play a bass. Now, a little bit later on, maybe five, six, seven years later on, when I started discovering more types of music, when uh, Death Human came out and I heard what Steve DiGiorgio was doing on, on a fretless bass uh, behind Death Metal, blew my mind. I didn't know that that was allowed to do to do that, basically, especially the drums, too. So you have this jazz fusion-y stuff mixed with Death Metal. And I've been a fan ever since. That's absolutely incredible. Another bassist that uh, really um, later on shaped uh, the way that I think that I thought about playing bass back in the '90s would be uh, Sergio Vega from Quicksand, and he was also in Deftones for a 
kind of a long stint. Uh, he's no longer in Deftones, but he's still in Quicksand. Uh, love the way he plays bass. You know, to be honest with you, he kind of is of the Adam Clayton school sometimes, some of the choices that he does. Um, but then he uses more effects, uh, Sergio does, and uh, some more bells and whistles and stuff. Um, and then a third influence that I have is not a bass player. He's a guitar player, but he influenced me to think outside what you thought you knew and break that and don't do what you did just for the sake of thinking about something new and uh, getting into a new headspace and refreshing yourself and things like that. And this thought came to me again recently because I remember that when Forge stopped being a band and uh, when we were going to form our next band, Decibilt, I completely flipped the script. Um, and partly because of, of, of this influences like, like, like mind uh, or thought process or like his rules to living, so to speak, not just music, even everything. But uh, I went from playing a fretted stingray with a pick to a Fender Jazz fretless with fingers. So, I mean, you really can't get that much sonically different. And that was a purposeful choice to try to make it different and step out of what I was doing and try to do something new. So that the influence of that is Robert Fripp, 100%. He, uh, he's just an innovator in everything that he does. Um, he, he approaches music like nobody else that I've ever uh, seen or been a fan of or appreciate. And he, he just makes you think about things differently. He even plays what's called the new standard tuning. He doesn't even play his guitar. He hasn't done this since the late 70s or early 80s. He hasn't played standard tuning. He, he made up a new tuning for a guitar, and he actually teaches that, that tuning to guitarists around the world. And it's a thing. That's how He plays that. I don't know by heart what the tuning is. You can look it up. But that's what I'm saying. Robert Fripp is just... He, he might be a visitor from another dimension. I don't know because he's just so innovative. Um, but yeah, so that's a huge influence on not directly uh, any instrument, but a thought, a thought process or a frame of mind, basically. Nice. So that's, that's what I got now. And I'm glad I was able to cover some keyboard players too. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Vangelis for sure would be one that I, I've always loved what he does because I was listening to like, the Blade Runner soundtrack and Chariots of Fire when I was a little kid um, and just loving, not knowing what the hell that was at all. Didn't even know what a synthesizer was, but just like, how, how does this sound like this? I didn't know what it was, but it stuck with me this whole time. And now I do know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For this edition of Collecting Cool Stuff, who's up? Greg is up. Greg is up. It's finally my turn. So, yeah. I'm going to, um, this is a timely one. Steve will like this because, uh, you know, a lot of times Steve is looking for content that is like hitting right when things come out. So I'm ticking all the boxes with Steve tonight. So you ready for this? I'm going to slowly raise it into the frame. Oh man. The dawn of the dead. Nice. The ancillary music, the stuff that George Romero preferred over Goblin, believe it or not. You still use Goblin yeah. in the final cut. So, so there's a bit of a tradition now with me around Christmas and Dawn of the Dead, um, completely by accident. Because if you remember, a few years back, Ange worked with Jeffy Barity and got me this OG copy 
of the Goblin score to Dawn of the Dead. So that was Christmas a few years ago. And then fast forward to Christmas this year, and Waxworks, Waxwork Records comes out with this, which is, like Steve said, all the DeWolf library cues for Dawn of the Dead. And, I mean... Look at that artwork. It's incredible. I know. You talk about deluxe packaging. There are three three vinyl LPs included in this. So it was a little rich for my blood. So everybody was asking me for ideas for Christmas. And I'm like, well, this Dawn of the Dead record came out. If anybody's really looking to like make my Christmas magical. Hints, hints. So, anyway, so anyways, I got lucky. So I got a copy of it. It comes with a book which also has really good artwork. That would look great on a t-shirt, right? If it's not a t-shirt already. So you got this book with, with all this, uh, I'm going to do this like an unboxing almost, (laughs) you know, it's got like this really, I haven't even read all of it, but there's a lot of like stuff to read. So Aaron will love that. He'll blow through (laughs) it in five minutes. (laughs) Um, so you get the three records that comes in this, this, this thing has so, so much good artwork. It's like every time you open it, it gets better. Nice. And then if you open it up all the way, and then I I think you get Tom Savini. Isn't it Tom Savini on the back? It's got to be him. Yep, it sure is. Yep. So you get Tom Savini, that scene on the back. And then, uh, you know, I can't really show this off and brag about it without showing you the actual color of the vinyl. So you get, you get booger green is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> looking great and then uh there's the i don't know if this is the second or the third oh i guess this would be the second record so that's like an orange and it's got like some swirl to it you probably can't see it pick it up oh, in the i can see that in yeah. the video and then the the most impressive one i think is this one in terms of like the vinyl looking cool uh so the third one is this purple and it's got like a definite like swirl pattern in there so yeah and they all have got like alternate artwork on the back that's really cool too so that third record looks like a bowling ball i once owned nice yeah it does look like a bowling ball i won't argue with that (laughs) so anyways i had a obviously had a stellar christmas by uh getting my hands on one of these and i know it's sold out now so I'm uh, particularly happy to have it. I know, Steve, you're waiting for yours to show up. Yes, so mine is on the way. I just I, I picked up the spoiler war. alert. They did such a good job with that. Waxwork always does. Their releases are just top notch for sure. So, I, so I am going to mention that you know we're we're we love this movie collectively as a band. So once i realized that i got this i started reading about it and uh i did find out that there are some people saying that this is not all of the 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 wolf cues they're saying that it was truncated now i don't understand how you could have three lps full of music and it not be everything but uh maybe there's somebody in the in the in our audience that listens to this that can uh educate us um and what might have been left out or or yeah. why it's not complete. What's missing and if there's anything missing, is it out there somewhere to, to hear? If it, if right, it exactly. Yeah, is, so, it, is it even is it even worth it if it wasn't included on there? Like 
is it just a one note thing or something? Well, it just depends if you're a purist, you know, a lot of people want, you know, they're, they're saying, well, I will only, I, I can only speak for what I read. Some people were saying it's, you know, yet another money grab and it's not the, it's still not the full thing, you know, like it's just a way to say that it is, but it isn't. So I'm well, not that cynical. I think out, it, in my opinion, uh, even if that's not 100% of all the tracks, that is not a money grab in, in, in wax work, uh, d- defense, that thing right there is a work of beauty that was very expensive to produce. That's a full size press sheet to do that three panel, uh, LP jacket. That's big time expense. So yeah, Steve, they it, spared no expense. Time. You know, most people like they could, if you go on Waxworks site, you know, most, most, most soundtracks are going to be 35 to 40 on there. Right. I mean that even a single LP yeah. is going to be 35. Right. So this is a three, this had three records plus all this amazing art and, you know, three different color vinyl for 60 bucks. I mean, really like when it comes down to it, like, I don't think they, they could have charged a hundred for this. Right. They could have charged, they could have charged more for sure. And, uh, anybody that's obsessed with Dawn of the Dead, the way we are probably would have paid it. All right. Well, we're going to, uh, come to our, uh, final topic of the night. Since this is the first episode of 2024, we want to take, one last look back to 2023 and uh, discuss and share our top three albums of 2023 and top three films of 2023. Lots to choose from. Lots of stuff came out. Uh, I know we all had some favorites and I, I actually personally hit the theater more last year than I have in a while. So I got to see some of those in the theater too. So very cool stuff. Uh, I guess I'll go first on this one. Why not? I always, I always push it off on YouTube usually. So I'll mention some stuff. I'll start with music. Okay. So I have, I have a safety pick and I'll tell you why. Um, because one of them could be questionable and Aaron might call me out on it for it not being accurate. So, but it it came out 20 years ago, but it was a re-release this year. That's it. <laughs> I'll be he's here. Call you out. Wait, but what if it's a remix? Yeah, he's not going to allow that. It was Steve, you know that. Too. It was re what? Remixed too. No, that doesn't count. Damn it. Okay, well then. Not, not unless it was re-recorded. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, you <laughs> right. see, you pick whatever the fuck you want to pick, man. All right. You my man, you my cousin. All right. You pick what you want to pick. All right, well then that means I'm going to list four then because I want to leave anything out. Oh my God. So the, oh my God. the first one. Now, now, now you've overstepped. Right, right. <laughs> the first one is Cynic Refocus. Uh, it came out yeah, on you can't count that. 2023. And it's Focus remixed, and it sounds <laughs> ridiculous. Really good, really good, man. And I saw the tour at the Sanctuary the day after my birthday, June thirtieth th- this year. Fantastic show, and uh, so I, it's on my list. You you may, you may say it doesn't count, but that's why I got three more to back it up. Um, next you one, every rule. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, I make them up, then I break them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Spider Man across. The Spider-Verse by Daniel Pemberton, the soundtrack to that film. So good. Such a ridiculously good film score. Um, it's got all kinds of elements, hip-hop elements, funk, synth stuff, um, guitar stuff, 
uh, vocal stuff. It's it's everything. Seriously, um, it's out on vinyl. Uh, it's streaming. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Um, here's one too that uh, I got I, I got reminded of how much I love this band, and lo and behold, they put a new record out last year, and I got to hear a few songs of it at their concert that I saw. But the Dead Milkmen, Quaker City Quiet Pills, uh, favorite track. Uh, Grandpa's not a racist, but he voted for one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> first track on the record. And I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they never fail. I know, I know, man. They 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 have their finger uh right on the pulse still, all the time <laughs> yeah. later. And they didn't lose any pep or anything live. They still tore it up live in Hamtramck this year. Uh, Labor Day festival. They headlined it, and it was just so. Good. I hadn't seen the Dead Milkmen since they were at the Majestic for Not Richard But Dick uh, tour in 95, I think. And then they broke up. And uh, I did see them at the Fun 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 Fest when they reunited uh, in Austin, Texas. I, I did fly out there for that. But I hadn't seen them in Detroit since the Majestic way back. And then lastly, because I knew Aaron would give me some shit about that cynic pick. So um, how badass, how badass is Godflesh Purge? I mean, that's a killer record. And from the last episode, episode 31, everybody knows we got to see Godflesh at El Club. Uh, and we got that amazing Mexican food dinner with the drinks that we talked about, um, all that stuff. Anyway, Godflesh record, fantastic. And it sounded great live too, man. They, they nailed it. Um, okay, now films. There's another questionable one in here, guys. I don't know. I just, I just got to say, and I, I don't have an alternate. <laughs> it came out in 82, but I didn't see it until this year. No, no, not quite that. Hold on. All right. I think the only film that could get away with that, maybe like in 2021, was New York Ninja. <clears throat> right. Right. Yeah. Just Steve, Steve, just know you're on thin ice here, buddy. I know. I know. Yeah. Man. Yeah. We're watching you closely. It's I'm, I can't wait to hear what this is. It's the beginning of 2024, and I'm already fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> Stop fucking up. <laughs> well, Steve, the rules are simple. I mean, I, you sort of you you sort of wrote this itinerary. For no, no, I wrote right? it. I wrote it. Oh, that's Aaron what, wrote it. That's yeah, that's why we're having so many so much. That's why Steve and I are having so much well, trouble because Aaron was dictating. No, I I think that this one will qualify. I'll explain myself. Don't worry. All right, here we go. And I'll, I'll list this one. I'll list that one last. Um, All okay, you. So Come on, hit me. One of my top films this year was Leave the World Behind. It was a Netflix um, production, I believe, and uh, awesome film. Um, I don't want to tell anybody anything. I think th this is one of those films where you don't need to watch a trailer. You don't need to know anything. Just watch the film and take it in. Um, uh, Samuel uh, Esmail was the director. Music by Mac Quayle. Music was great. Everything was great. Kevin Bacon's in it. You know, that's not a spoiler. You, I think it's on the poster. Um, fantastic. Um, second, I actually do have Netflix again, so I will watch it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I recommend Aaron, it. Aaron, give me your password, man. <laughs> Funky Aaron, cool. Yo. You got that password I need? Yo, give me the information. Yeah, Aaron, don't be stingy. Now, okay. pre previously mentioned, because of the soundtrack, <laughs> I also have to put Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite films of last year. Uh, and we talked about it on a previous episode. I never even saw the first one. I didn't 
even know about it really didn't know what it was about didn't care to watch it i was kind of superheroed out for a while but my kids wanted to see it because it was animated and i'm like i'll take you to see it no problem so i sat there thinking it, 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 it can't be bad so i'm gonna check it out and watch it and i was blown away especially that just that first sequence um when it was a little bit more roughly animated and before the credits hit that little sequence right there i was on the edge of my seat and the music went with it just perfectly and then the whole film was totally kick-ass so uh recommend that one all that stuff streaming now and uh i watched them out of order like i said i saw the second one uh first then went back and watched the first one loved it and that's got three directors uh joaquin dos uh, santos kemp uh powers and justin thompson music by daniel pemberton as previously mentioned killer film now here's my third one that could be questionable now it came out in australia it's an australian production and it, it was released there in 2022 but it hit netflix in 2023 which is where most people could see it unless you lived i'm gonna australia. let that go i'm gonna let that slide i'm good oh. with it oh thank goodness okay yeah. aaron says aaron says to proceed steve gotcha yeah. okay uh did you guys see talk to me but did, did both of you see that or not oh i've heard, not. heard of it oh man killer you know you know every once in a while like I'll give you an example of something. The movie's not like this movie, but the concept of what I'm trying to convey is um, it follows where you see this movie and you're like, oh, holy shit, that dude just made up a new thing, basically mm. like a new lore or whatever you want to say. I think Talk to Me did pretty pretty good job of that too. It's They kind of created like a new pocket uh, of what you can do. Very cool film. Um, I think there's a, a brother duo directed that uh danny and uh michael philippow i think is how you say their name um and then uh cornell Witchcheck uh did the music and uh music's really creepy because of the topic of this film i think the music really lends itself to that and helps push that kind of mojo uh that that talk to me has i don't want to i don't want to uh, spoil that either i think you the, if you go into this not knowing anything you'll be better better off um well, that's my three films for 2023. All right, Good who, stuff. who's going next? You got to flip a coin or something. You go ahead, Greg. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll try to keep mine pretty brief. Um, so I'll start with movies. Uh, Peter. What? Peter Chris. <laughs> Peter <done>. Chris. <laughs> done. No. That's great. Uh, movies, I, I didn't, you know, I don't get to, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I don't get to watch a lot of adult movies like in the theaters or whatever, you know? So, like, I just don't have a ton of free time. I'm always watching these kids' movies. Yeah. Um, I've seen, <laughs> seen every kid's movie, and I, none of those made the list. You know, <laughs> like, I, I do sort of agree with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That's the best of the kids' movies, for sure. Yeah. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, but in terms of movies that, um, I saw in the theater or had time to watch on my own at home, I have, I have, uh, I have three. So evil dead rise, funny story about that. Yeah, uh, it was our wedding anniversary and Ange picked 
where we went to eat. So I got to pick the movie <laughs> and I picked evil dead rise. And, <laughs> and she's like, this is like her review was, this is obvious. This is honestly the bloodiest movie I've ever seen. Like there is so much blood. <laughs> hey, she's not wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I get a kick out of the fact that I subjected her to that on our honey, uh, not on our honeymoon, on our anniversary. <laughs> so evil dead rise. That's that, that was probably the best experience. Um, I really like knock at the cabin. I know a lot of people are, are down on M night Shyamalan, but like, I, want I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys saw knock at the cabin. It was great. It was great. And I read the book too. And it was like very faithful to the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, what I'll say about that movie is it's one of, it falls into that category of movies that are, are tough to watch as a parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was explaining this to our friend Ian the other day, like he, him and I were talking about poltergeist cause I, I, I just tend to talk about poltergeist a lot. And, uh, I said, you know, poltergeist hit me different when I first saw it than it does now, because now, the true horror of that movie to me is the idea of your child being lost and you can't get to them. You know, that's the, that's the horrifying part of that movie to me now. But when I watched it as a kid, I was like, well, it's the creepy clown and it's, you know, some of the more obvious things. And then the subtle aspect, you know, like I, I, I didn't, I couldn't relate to the parent part of it until you sort of get into that, that headspace. So knock at the cabin is sort of plays on that. You know, like I, I won't say much about it other than that, but I thought it was really well done. And I, you know, I kind of give M. Night Shyamalan a pass, man. Like I, I feel like he's done enough good movies um, that I, I was willing to check it out and I'm glad I did. So those are the first two. And then uh, Steve already mentioned Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I was going to kind of like, I was going to kind of say that one, but I'll tell you one that I watched recently that I didn't think I was going to like as much as I did. So I'm going to mention it for that reason alone. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Hmm. Um, I had already seen the first two and I liked them. Um, but like Steve, I'm kind of burnt out on the on the superhero movies right now. And even though like Guardians of the Galaxy appeals to my sensibilities because I like how it's like very tongue in cheek and like the heroes are kind of, you know, they don't look like heroes necessarily. It's a raccoon, a tree, and you know, all other kinds of like weird right you know, people that you wouldn't consider to be heroes. But, um, and then when I heard that it was sort of like all based on the raccoon this time, I was like, all right, is this going to be any good? But I'll tell you what, man, I sat through it and, uh, I actually think it might be one of my favorites because I feel like the characters were developed like a hundred percent more in the third one than, than the first two. Okay. And, uh, I don't know. It just stuck out to me. I don't. I don't think it's like the best movie ever made, but it. It was one that I was surprised by. Yeah, and it was really cool to see like the backstory of of Rocket. You know what I mean? Like, I think that 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 I think that's what I mean. Like, so you realize there's so much more to him than you thought there was. Because like my son loves Rocket because in the first movie or first two movies you give rocket guns and he just goes crazy. So my son loves that, right? Like he just shoots everybody, right. <laughs> you know, and he loves how he's a smart ass and things like that. But like this movie really sort of goes into why he's like that. So I, I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, so that, that was sort of my, my honorable mention, but I'm going to use it as my third one since Steve already mentioned Spider-Verse. <laughs> gotcha. 
All right, for music, I'm probably, you know, one of these might get me in trouble, but I think Aaron will give me a pass because they actually re-recorded it. Um, so number one, Cavalier Conspiracy. I haven't been more surprised by a re-recording than I was by these guys, man. They went in and redid Morbid Visions and Bestial Devastation, and I, I, I can't even get my head around how they did it, how they pulled it off. Yeah. And yeah, it sounds so raw good. still. They're so good. It sounds it 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 retained the sound of the originals, but it it made it so that you could listen to them. And it's like it brought it into the modern era of production a little bit, but retained some of that gritty, like underground sound of those first two, you know, first couple of records. And I think Jeffy Birdie will agree with me. Like I think I saw it on his top ten list. So I just I was blown away that those guys were able to pull that rabbit out of the hat. And, and make it happen. Yeah. So it, I, I, I mentioned them both because they redid them both and they're both equally good. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Sepultura fan, man, don't, don't sleep on, on that Cavalier conspiracy, <laughs> that stuff. They, they, they nailed it. Yeah. For sure. So good. Now I'm going to go completely different end of the spectrum. Steve Roach came out with an album this year called sanctuary of desire. And it's a, it's a, it's a straight up ambient record. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you're not into ambient, you probably won't like it. But I, I, I think I mentioned on here a while back, I went down a Steve, Ro- a Steve Roach rabbit hole. So he came out with a new record this year and I was all about it. Um, I think I mentioned uh, there was a metal band that did an ambient record. Yeah. Blood what and was that band? Yeah. Blood, Blood and Cantation. Yeah, so like I, I have a history of liking that kind of stuff. So if ambient ain't your thing, you're probably not going to like this newest Steve Roach either. But uh, for me, that was a, a awesome thing to get a new record out of him. And then uh, my number three, which should have probably been my number one, is the Maestro put out a, a record this year. So anytime John Williams puts out a new soundtrack, it's going to be on my best of 2023. And we got Indiana Jones and the Dial of Des- Destiny. And by the way, he rescinded his retirement. He said he's open to projects, so we might even get another one out of him. Dude's in his nineties, man. Can't wait if that happens, man. Yeah, it's going to be great. Fucking John Williams, he's going to be in my top three. Right. Good point. All right. Good picks, man. This is an episode. Um, Good picks. Yes. Um, Well, for uh, I'll go with music first. Um, For music. Uh, it was a good year. Lots of bands from the '90s um, that are still making music today. So Careful, was- Aaron. You're talking about '90s. Steve, can we get a check on this? Well, if, if, if it's a new record, <laughs> new records. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. I just want to make sure it's not a re-recording or anything, right, Aaron? No, no re-recording. No nothing. None of that stuff. <laughs> hey, just so, so everybody knows, V3Cast has tight officiating. Tight of yeah. You keep, you keep um, each other in check. But I'll get to those those old school bands. But the first one I would say, the new Baroness album, Stone, is is just everything I could hope for. There, there was a weird thing. Uh, I don't know if it's it's if it's me or if it's the bands. Who who can ever say? But a bunch of the bands I really love. Their second most recent album, like from a couple of years ago was were lackluster to me baroness their gray and gold was uh my least favorite of theirs and it's still good it's still got good songs on it but when i was getting so used to baroness just hitting 10 out of 10s on all these albums 
gray and gold was didn't didn't do it for me. Wait, but are, I knew they'd come saying, back hard. Are you saying that? the previous Baroness albums were all ten out of ten? Yeah, until okay. gray and gold. Right. Okay, gotcha. Um, but then I knew they'd come back hard, just like Clutch did last year, just like Ghost did. There's been a bunch of bands who uh, had disappointed me and then came back with some serious stuff. So Baroness Stone came out in September and I was just so happy because it was, it was just perfect. And then I got to see them um, like last month or whatever, a couple months ago and, um, and see them do a bunch of the stuff from the album. And it was, it's great. It's, it's uh, everything I could hope for in a Baroness album. Um, another one, uh, my second one is a band called Eve's Tumor. It's kind of like a, a guy named Eve's Tumor, but he has his backing band with him. And it's a weird, it's kind of a mix between like R and B alternative hip hop, sort of massive attack but it's also alternative so it's well, almost you like sent me a link to him uh yeah a while back and that, that that one track was great it's really trippy and weird kind of almost like prince meets david bowie it's just really cool stuff the album came out in march and the cool thing about that is um my friend john sent me a uh a, a link to the video and said check this out and i started watching it and i was like oh my god this is really good and then I looked him up on YouTube and I realized that I had watched some other videos of his like months before, but it didn't, I didn't really stick with it. Okay. So then that day, that morning that John sent me that link, I started watching like an hour of Eve's tumor videos. And then I started watching a concert that they did out at some rock, some festival in Germany or something. And, um, with like, you know, just a million people in the crowd, you know, those festivals. Oh yeah, for sure. And, um, and and so I'm like, this is just amazing. This is like exactly what I wanted to hear. Uh, you know, that day it just hit me. And I was like, I wonder if they're coming to town. You know, you go and look up a new band, right? That you that you're just getting hip to. And you usually find out that they were in town last week and right. you missed. Yeah. Um, well, this was March, and I found out they were coming to April in April to the uh, Majestic. And I was I texted John, we're going. I text I told Amy, we're going to this show. So that day I bought the ticket. So in one day I was basically introduced to the band and then watched a bunch of videos, bought tickets to the shows. You just, nothing could be more perfect. Yeah. Um, that's how it's supposed to work. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the album has a crazy title. It's called praise a Lord who choose, but does not consume. Basically it's like kind of a really long title. Yeah. Great stuff. They have like five albums, four or five albums, and they're they're all really good, really weird, trippy stuff. Um, for my third pick, that was me trying to decide between obituary, Godflesh, Foo Fighters, Prong, Helmet, right? All this 90s stuff where these people have been hitting hard this year. And it's really tough. I, I think I'm I think I'm going with Prong, State of Emergency. Yeah, I think it's just pretty perfect, you know. Um like I said with Baroness, is everything you could want from Prong. Um, yeah, I've it's been streaming heavy. It. It's good for sure. Yeah, heavy as hell, and I think it gets better as it goes. Like I think the second half of the album is even better than the first. Uh, I do want to do, give an honorable mention though to Helmet. Yeah, and so the new Helmet is—it's definitely it's got a bigger palette. What's that? Then it has a bigger palette than than, than recent yeah. Helmet for sure. You're damn right it does. Damn right it does, Steve. <laughs> Uh, they even put a song, the, the final, the last song on the album is just to prove to Steve that they do have jazz, that help, that 
page has jazz influences and a jazz background because the last song is just a jazz song. Um, uh, and so it that was the surprise of the year for me because I, I like Hellman. I, I haven't been dissing him like Steve does and like Peter Men. <laughs> but um uh the and even the most recent album from a few years ago I thought was really cool. This is way better than that though. And um it's called Left, the new the new Hellman album and, and um yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. So I kind of cheated and did four picks there, but um that's all right. You know, in twenty twenty four, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna shake it up, shake we're it up, shake it up, man. Um, my movie picks. Uh, I was very fortunate that I saw a lot of movies this year. Um, like I've been getting my movie game back on track, and uh, a lot of the a lot of movies in the theater, um, and not all superhero movies, and. Uh, lot of movies that i didn't get to see in the theater i i watched as soon as i could on streaming um or bought them on blu-ray when they came out so um i will say that uh way back in the towards the beginning of the year john wick four was immensely satisfying um i love the john wick series uh i went into part three thinking that they were going to kill him you know that that he was going to die in part three and and that would be it it would just be a trilogy so i my jaw was on the floor when part three ended the way it did and he didn't die and uh and so i was immediately looking forward to part four and part four was just the the i don't know if i could ever pick a favorite john wick movie all four of them are great um and i thought that, that it rounded out the story so well and and brought such amazing satisfying closure to the story uh and just just so deep so great john wick four um uh, did anybody you guys see it at all have you seen those movies i think i've seen yeah i've seen all the john wick movies i think okay. i've seen the first two and and i do like them for sure yeah um what's not to like right and that's, dude's movie. that's a dude's movie right there dude's movie <laughs> Speaking of dudes movies, my second pick is Barbie. Um, it was <laughs> it was actually unbelievably amazing. It, it was a I, good movie. It was great. I did not, that was not on my radar. I didn't grow up playing with Barbie. I didn't have any interest in Barbie. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm glad they're making this for the people who like Barbie. That's not me. So that they can have fun. I'm glad it's make, I was glad it was making a ton of money along with Oppenheimer. I thought, that's the best thing that can happen to cinema is that people are going out to the movie theater to see Barbie and Oppenheimer, two polar opposite movies. And um, they're both making a ton of money and keeping sort of cinema afloat. Right. And, uh, and covering all this different ground. So, but I wasn't into Barbie at all and I wasn't going to see it until my wife told me, no, you really should see it. It's amazing. You'll, you'll love it. There's so many great, references and great things that you'll actually like in it and i saw it and i thought oh my god this movie is perfect it's perfect it it's funny it's deep it is great and funny on about 50 different levels all at the same time it's not just uh, as it as in like i thought it would be more like the lego movie where it's just jokes and references and all that stuff and and poking fun at all these things and it does have a lot of that but it has a lot more to it than that it has things it doesn't just appeal to women it appeals to anybody who likes good movies good stories good uh comedy and good um movies about commentary about how people treat each other about how men and women treat each other and how they interact 
and and kind of checking everybody on like are you too much like this or are you um you know do you have some balance in your life are you uh how much of these things how much of these bad behaviors do you see in yourself if you see too much you should try to tip the scales a little bit more towards you know being like a a good person or a considerate person or whatever anyway barbie is great um but my number one pick of the whole year easily by far wait a minute no is, it, is, is this four now no that was oh. two movies wait john john, john Wick, Barbie. 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 okay okay go ahead okay. I, I remember we're keeping an eye on each other go ahead yeah <laughs> not this i'm i'm being very by the book on this one all right uh <laughs> my number one movie of the year is godzilla minus one nothing really comes close that is definitely the best godzilla movie i've ever seen um it is different from any godzilla movie i've ever seen the, the closest you could come is like the original 1954 godzilla what this movie does is it doesn't make godzilla sympathetic it doesn't make godzilla uh, a hero it doesn't start Godzilla off as a villain and then somewhere in the middle turn them into a hero where you're rooting for Godzilla. The whole time you see Godzilla, you're terrified. You, It's the only Godzilla movie I've ever seen where you want Godzilla to die the whole time. You're like, just leave these people alone. They just got out of a war where they got bombed twice with atom bombs. And then Godzilla just comes and starts destroying even more killing even more people with atomic energy that they that they're digging themselves out of the rubble still and godzilla is just decimating japan again leave these people alone and so damn you want godzilla to to eat it and um and you know it, it's you care this is also the only the first godzilla movie where i've really really cared about the people um, there are some of the Godzilla movies where they do a decent job of making you care about the people. And most of them don't, most of them, you just don't want them on screen and you just want to see the monsters. Yeah. This one, you actually care about the people and you're, you're rooting for them and you just want them to have some kind of peace and victory. So for all those reasons, for the, for the minuscule budget that they did compared to any Hollywood movie, a $15 million movie which they would make in Hollywood, they would make for a, a movie with two people in a restaurant talking the whole time would right. be more than a $15 million budget. Uh, and, and somehow they were able to make this movie in Japan. You don't see any, any of the seams. You don't see any, anything low budget about the movie. It's just a devastating movie. It's visceral and uh, heavy hitting and easily my top movie of the year. I, I hope it wins some sort of Oscars. I know they don't really like to honor genre movies at the Oscars too much, but maybe in the foreign category, maybe it can win best picture, whatever they can throw at it. It deserves it. And it deserves to be um, praised for uh, its sort of non-wasteful movie making, making a, a low budget movie into such a huge impact. And I'm glad it's getting all this attention and, and playing all over the world and getting the praise it deserves. So yeah, that's my topic. Me hyped for that because I knew that it had to be good because people posted about it and you kind of get the sense like, holy shit, this is probably pretty good, but you just threw it over, over the top. And now I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Thank you for yes. selling me for like nailing that 
that sale, you get coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> they close the deal. Thank you. The two most surprising things that came out of Aaron's mouth tonight was Huey Lewis in the news. That was number one. And then Barbie. Right. Like who, who had those on their bingo card for Aaron? Uh, I, I, I did mean, not. Yeah. Aaron really yeah. surprised me tonight. I, you know, you could know you, I've known you a long time and <laughs> you surprised me tonight. <laughs> you you are a multifaceted individual. Aaron's very sophisticated. No, I just had to get over myself a little bit and, and, um, and be open-minded to that movie. And I was like, Jesus, man. I mean, it's just perfect. By the way, Margot Robbie deserves an Oscar. Um, what's the dude? Ryan Gosling deserves an Oscar. Greta Gerwig deserves an Oscar for best director uh, for Barbie. It was, it was, it was not just fluff. That's what surprised me. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty heavy. It was great. Right on. Well, there you with, have it. with that being said, everybody uh, leave us a comment on what your top three films and albums were for 2023. Cause uh, I'm, you know, we can't see everything. So we, we want to hear from you to give us some extra things to check out when we have time. And uh, it's all about uh, everybody sharing all their stuff and, and uh, discovering new cool stuff for sure. And uh, yeah, thanks Greg for mentioning the Cavalera conspiracy redos of those Sepultura albums. Those, those are incredible. I, I've been streaming those a lot since uh, yeah. they came out in the summertime, right? So like, they came out like in like July or something like that. Yeah, right? they it came out right near when we played uh, the Motor City Nightmares. Yeah, that was when Greg played it for us, and we were like, "Oh my god!" I know, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, it's pissed, man. Because it couldn't yeah. be too good, like. You know, like uh, just for example, it couldn't sound like an Arch Enemy record because that just is not supposed to sound like that. They kept it like a little bit messy, but not. It's it's a really weird tightrope they walked on there. Yeah, they walked a fine line, man. Yeah, and seriously. They don't sound unlike the original. They don't. I mean, they don't sound unlike the originals. They just sound significantly better. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Right. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I so can't explain it. On whatever streaming um, platform, you know, you guys listen to stuff on, check out the ones we mentioned. And like I said before, post your favorites of, of last year. And uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna close out this episode. Thank you for listening. And uh if you like uh a band that does a podcast, that's us, Voyager Three. Give us a subscribe, a like and a share, all that kind of good stuff. It helps us out. And until Next time on V3Cast, we will see you soon.